and you have to know your values i think yeah. right you know do you value stability do you value mm-hmm. finance do you value money okay cool well then maybe you do need to work right now yeah. and that's okay do you value experience do you value perspective taking you know what are your values and you need to live as best as you can in accordance to your values mm-hmm. you know one of my values in life for sure is adventure you know adventure and 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 gaining knowledge and not through a book but through life experiences yeah. and so that's something that you know god willing and my body willing and my health willing i'm going to keep doing it hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of feeding curiosity I'm your host, Eric Wenzel, as always. Fitting Curiosity is a podcast that explores the precarity of human experience, and we challenge ourselves and others to think, question, and synthesize wherever their curiosity takes them. It is our hope to provide blueprints for others to lead and learn a more fulfilling life. In today's podcast, we are joined by returning guest, Claudia Schauron. Claudia is someone who prefers to go by many hats. By day, she works as an adolescent, young adult, mental health therapist in private practice. Outside of her professional career, she enjoys sports, exercise, dinners with friends, and above all, travel. 2019 was the year of battling several major health conditions while still trying to live life to the fullest. Claudia has been featured on TEDx Speaker, presented at the IABH conference, and most recently received her certification in clinical neurofeedback. She takes her academic knowledge paired with her personal experiences in overcoming health concerns to impact those around her. And in this conversation, we unpack much of Claudia's 2019. Uh, One of the major through lines in this conversation was her diagnosis and then learning to not let the diagnosis of Hashimoto's disease impact the quality of her life. And she mentions many times that it's the people around her and those that stick with these struggles when they don't get better after a couple months or even weeks and they don't show the support. And for her, she uses that as a way of knowing who truly matters to her, you know, having a strong community and network. Um, And above all, she is a highly introspective person who is not afraid to shine the light on herself and say, here's what I'm working on. Here's what I'm struggling with to allow others to learn and grow from her experiences so they don't have to suffer in silence. And so with that, everyone, please enjoy this incredibly wide ranging conversation with Claudia Scalron. And we're back with another episode of Feeding Curiosity, and we're joined again with a returning guest. I think you're probably like the second one outside of like the major friends. Yay! Claudia. <laughs> Thank you for having me this again. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's been a, a wild ride. I think you're on like episode 26 or something like that, and now mm-hmm. we're over 80. Wow. <laughs> and I think the first time I was here was like just about an, a year ago, like exactly Yeah, a year almost ago. exactly Close. a year ago. Yeah. Because your podcast went, I think, the 20s, like first or something or something like that. Yeah. So it's kind of crazy. Happy anniversary. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) Podcast anniversary. Is that a thing? Do people do that? It is now. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) But you've had a wild ride of a 2019. That's for sure. Yeah. 2019 has been a very rough challenging uh, but growthful year as well mm-hmm. I suppose but yeah it's I actually started off 2019 with a grade three concussion oh wow um, I don't even know if you knew that I did not yeah. know that so I literally started off 2019 with a concussion and it was all kind of just downhill or uphill downhill downhill from there 
so yeah, that's, that's, that's how we started. And, you know, you keep kind of trucking along and, you know, you do the best you can with whatever cards you're given. Mm -hmm. So for the concussion, it, just for grading system's sake, I didn't even know there was grades to concussions. What does grade three mean? Grade three. So I think, you know, and I'm not a doctor here, so don't, don't quote me on this, <laughs> but I think grade one is you just kind of feel like a little bit dizzy, mm -hmm. right? Grade two. I, I don't think you get knocked out with grade two. Grade three, you get knocked out and okay. like you see stars, mm -hmm. right? And I was at that point where I was like, whoa, like super doozy and dizzy for, I mean, like five minutes but mm -hmm. the actual concussion i mean that was super duper painful but what came after i mean that that's the part that people don't really talk about right. you know you have the concussion your head hurts you hit it um and then you get better but i struggled with horrible post-concussive syndrome mm -hmm. which literally like messed up my life for a while wow. i mean it was very bad i was extremely dizzy and still actually i'm struggling with some of that stuff now and it's mm -hmm. been i mean almost a year but yeah just super dizzy like really confused i couldn't find words i remember talking to one of my friends on the phone and i was eating a salad using a fork and i don't know why i was looking for the word fork to explain that to her, but I'm looking for the word fork. And I'm like, you know that thing that you eat a salad with? And she goes, what are you talking about, Claudia? I'm like, you know that thing, that thing, that utensil that you eat a, a salad with? She goes, you mean a fork? And I'm like, oh my God. But that like hit me because I'm wow. like, oh my God, I like, what is going on? I can't find words. Mm -hmm. So that was really scary. I'm just feeling like super duper lethargic. And I mean, that, that on his own level is, you know, when you think of lethargy, you think of being tired and just you know fatigued but this yeah. was like i mean you felt like you got hit by a bus and every muscle in your body weighed 500 pounds you just couldn't get up and it's the simplest things that you know took so much effort and energy having mm -hmm. conversations with people or like getting up and going to the bathroom so yeah so that's how 2019 wow. started <laughs> <laughs> just just having the to, all of your willpower goes into just even getting out of bed in the morning basically yeah it's yeah. cr it's crazy. Most people don't think about compression or concussion as being such a long term injury mm -hmm. like that. Like you know, we're, we know so much more about CTE nowadays, but it's still like I don't think we get talk about the lingering effects of stuff like that. I was going to yeah. ask how long, or if you still feel symptoms of it, and you answered that question mm -hmm. already. But mm -hmm. that's insane. So from there, what what happened? As, as your year unfolded. <laughs> yeah. So then my symptoms went away for the month of March and I'm like, oh, great. Everything is good. Like I'm back mm -hmm. to normal. And then at the beginning of April, again, I, I don't know what happened, but I started to feel really out of it, really dizzy, really like super fatigued and lethargic. Went through a whole bunch of medical testing, had an MRI done on my brain, like you name it. I mean, I, my, I was getting pricked, you know, once or twice a week at that point. Mm -hmm. And at that point, they uncovered um, that I have Hashimoto's, which is an autoimmune thyroid disease that mm -hmm. I did not know. And that actually came about from the concussion testing. So I don't know. I mean, maybe like silver lining that we found that out through right. that. But so Hashimoto's has been a big struggle. And that's a that's an autoimmune thyroid disease. And so, again, it makes you just like super, super lethargic, really fatigued. And that's been a real struggle for me because normally and naturally I'm super active. I'm mm -hmm. traveling a lot. I'm in the gym five days a week. I mean, I have a ton of energy so all this stuff happened and I just did not feel like me yeah. I mean as you can imagine that makes you feel incredibly depressed really lonely super isolative you're trying to explain this to people and the hardest part is people expect you to get better right yeah and 
after a couple months, if you're not getting better, you really kind of notice people that are truly there for you. And I don't mean that in some sappy way, but you really kind of figure out who is there for you and who's not there for you. So I guess, you know, the silver lining again of 2019 is, you know, I know my social circle and, you know, those people that are there for me. But yeah, so I think the theme here with 2019 is how do you continue to live your life, the life that you had before with all these new struggles that are like significantly getting in the way now. Like significantly out of your normal like mm. frame of functioning. Yeah. Like yeah. is Hashimoto something that you're like inherited or is it just triggered? I don't know. I don't even know too much about. Yeah. So with any autoimmune disease, you're going to have some type of genetic predisposition. Yeah, um, my mom actually has hypothyroidism. She doesn't mm-hmm. have the autoimmune um, thyroid condition that I do, but she has thyroid issues. And so you have a genetic predisposition. And then based off of just your environment, nutrition, which I've learned a lot about <laughs> this year, um, just in my environmental factors, you know, that's how you, I guess, trigger um, an autoimmune disease. Yeah, that makes sense. Because I've heard a lot about like hyperthyroidism. I think my mom actually has to take medicine for it now herself. And it's one of those things you don't really think about is like hormone functioning and how some of the simplest things that just kind of seem yeah. to work in the background. And all of a sudden when it's not working like you expect it to, it just has a profound shift in yeah. your day-to-day feeling. Mm-hmm. For you, was it in like a, like a slow and steady, like just trying things to see what changed or worked over time? Was that really just trial and error? Yeah. And I mean, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm still trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. You know, the very first thing that I went to was nutrition. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that nutrition heals, you know, food is medicine and a lot of autoimmune disease actually originate in the gut. And so I went the nutritional route and I thought that my nutrition before all this was pretty good. And I was, I was eating healthy, you know, I don't eat, you know, a ton of crappy food, but there's always room for improvement, right? Mm -hmm. So I went the nutritional route. I actually went gluten-free. I've been gluten-free since June and that's (laughs) challenging, but I do feel better. Mm -hmm. I do feel better. And so you know, I don't know that there's one solution to this stuff, right? There's different things that you do. You kind of have to work with your body. Some weeks are better than other weeks and you just really kind of have to work with what your body's giving you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that makes a lot of sense. And it's not one of the things that a lot of people think about is just when you have to, or at least I think when, when it comes to nutrition, I think it makes more sense sometimes to remove certain stimuluses of certain like inputs when it comes to quality of food to try and see if you feel better which is I know really not a good measure but <laughs> cuz the elimination diet you know a yeah. lot of doctors talk about it right where you know we we don't really know if it's gluten we don't know if it's dairy we don't know if it's mm-hmm. I don't know whatever right yeah. um and so I said you know what what the hell do I have to lose right, right. let's try it <laughs> and and yeah I do feel a little bit better I don't have celiacs I don't have any of that but mm-hmm. you know I figured you know, it's not going to hurt. So. Right. I mean, it's similar to my brother's story. He was, he had like these rashes over the summer and stuff mm-hmm. like that. They're kind of popping up and they would only be like really bad in the morning and at night, like before bed and stuff. And they'd kind of flare up and then go away. And, yes. you know, he go, he goes to the doctor many times and it's like a slow process of like doing allergy tests. Oh like my maybe God, it's, it's so soap. frustrating. It's so <laughs> frustrating. Seriously. <laughs> you know, and you feel like you're going in a circle because yeah. I mean, and I get it, you know, they're doing all the tests that they can. And then sometimes everything comes back negative and mm-hmm. you're like, great, but no, because now I don't really know what's going on. And so you're like constantly in just this loop of like, trying to figure yeah. it out. Cause like it wound up basically on full circle. And the guy he went to first was like, this looks like chicken pox, but obviously oh. he's too old to, <laughs> to have chicken pox. And he had it when he was little. It turns out though, he had a version of um, shingles. 
Oh no! But he's only like twenty four, so like you don't know me think that shingles would happen. But then obviously he has to get on like steroids and stuff to get rid of it, and those things destroy you know you're functioning for a little while too because they're not rough yeah they're they're just not fun on your system so yeah it's it's been a a little i I get that stuff where you just kind of have to start tuning tuning knobs basically just to kind of have to help yourself you know doctors only go so far and that's where you really have to pull from like inner willpower and Mm self-discipline you got to heal yourself so what, what has worked best for you so far at least what seems to be doing like the most bang for your buck Again, nutrition. I think nutrition is, you know, a big piece of kind of what I'm, I'm mm-hmm. going through right now. Going gluten-free has helped. I know I can still do a little bit better. I know um, a lot of people talk about a plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. That's tough for me because I like meat and chicken. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe, you know, that's something to explore too. So that, you know, nutrition's big. I still go to the gym, but I've had to alter my exercises before. Mm-hmm. You know, I would go to the gym and I would, you know, kind of push it probably a little bit harder than I need to and do like, you know, I'm like, I'm going to do six miles in this time frame. And like really push my body. No, can't do that anymore. So now it's, you know, maybe tone it down a little bit, maybe run three miles, you know, and try to go for a nine, 10 minute mile, which before I would have been like, no, you could do better than that. (laughs) But again, it's, it's working with your body. Um, that, and, and to be totally honest with you, you really have to find a super strong social support circle. If you don't have that, I mean, you don't have anything. You, you really, really need that. And so I think, when it comes to health issues, again, you you figure out those people that are really going to stand by your side, mm-hmm. you know, even if you're not getting better in a month or in a week or whatever it may be, the other people that want you around because you're fun, they're going to weed themselves out pretty quick. But yeah. you got to find social support, whether that's through family, whether that's through friends, whether that's through, you know, going to a therapist, whether that's through listening to motivational things. But that's yeah. that's 100% key. It's definitely been a big through line for me in 2019 of just kind of having I like to call them like pressure relief valves, like having friends and people around you that like pull you into the present. Like when you know that you're like too stressed out or thinking about something like for me, I can always do more things like at work, like stay later or something like that. Like I'll stay two more hours, and, mm. you know, and then by the time <laughs> you stay two more hours and you're like, I don't think I'll go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so having people around you that it's like, oh, hey, I said I was going to go do this thing with them or like they said, I'll go to the gym. At this time, you got to make sure you leave. Yes, I like, like to call them accountability buddies. Ooh, that's a right? new one. I like that one. <laughs> they keep you accountable. <laughs> good, right? Yeah, that's really good. I like that a lot because we, we, we all keep it, like each other in check. You know, some of my friends like Jordan and stuff like that. We, we, we always kind of, you know, half of it's play fun and joking around. The other half is like, you know, you, you've been working like chill out, dude. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. or, or like, hey, we've noticed you've been like doing like if they notice say you're like stuck in your own head or just kind of like isolating yourself without even meaning it something like that someone to check in on you i think is super huge absolutely because Mm -hmm. the the inner the inner workings of the brain right i mean you deal with this all the time (laughs) you have to get really good at capping things you know Mm -hmm. and and not only work but you have to have emotional caps or boundaries Mm -hmm. you know because if you don't you're gonna exhaust yourself you're gonna burn out yeah I, I, that's seriously been like the huge thing, especially as like engineers or people in technical f- professions, it feels like you always kind of have to be productive to some degree. Like there's always like this under underlying assumption of like, you have to be kind of, if you're not doing something productive, then you're just wasting time. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's not like, sometimes the best thing you can do for yourself is do nothing. Like, 
I don't know if you want to unpack see, like some views on like mindfulness or meditation because I think it's a really it's kind of hot buttony and kind of buzzwordy with calm and headspace being huge now. Yeah. But I think it's worth unpacking it more than than just going to like the app stuff, like just talking about giving yourself t- space. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I mean, there's there's endless amounts of research on mindfulness and meditation and how it just helps with optimum functioning with mm-hmm. people. You know, I think, you know, a lot of people don't really know exactly what mindfulness is. Right. Mm-hmm. And again, it's the idea of just kind of giving your space to be right here, right now at this exact moment. Don't try and change anything. Don't try and alter your thoughts in any way. Just kind of be here in this exact moment. And I think I mean, it takes a lot of practice. You know, I'm still trying to figure it out. And I learned, you know, this stuff, what, 10 plus years ago in graduate school. And I'm, you know, in no ways, you know, a a pro. I'm still struggling with it. But yeah, you really kind of have to give space for that. You know, what happens? We live in a very go, 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 constant, you know, rushy world. And so, you know, if you really feed into that and then that moment that you do have some downtime, that almost creates anxiety just because you're not used to feeling that, right? And so then you try and overcompensate and then you do more. (laughs) And now you've got this vicious cycle of like constant go, 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 which is just feeding into anxiety. And, you know, it's going to obviously affect productivity and then everything else in between. Yeah, I I that's seriously how I like expand on it so much because it's like, you got to give yourself like the ability to just chill, like do nothing, like sit alone with your thoughts is kind of the deeper end of the pond of this spectrum where it's like, you got to actually give yourself the ability to kind of just see what's going on. Like check in with yourself is kind of what I go with it. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm feeling a little, or at least a higher level. Like once you get used to doing it to some degree, like you can take a deep breath, you can actually say, notice yourself being like, oh, I'm a little frustrated right now, or I'm a little like agitated to some, like maybe you can't put a finger on it, but you just know Mm -hmm. that you're not like your normal self to some degree. Right. And if you can link, you know, what your body is doing with your mind too, you know, Mm -hmm. right now I'm getting a little bit frustrated and I know that because, oh, like my heart rate is increasing a little Mm -hmm. bit or, you know, I'm, I'm kind of fidgeting a little bit more. Maybe like I'm picking at my nail or something, you know, just that awareness. That's mindfulness too. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Cause I I think, I think it's one of those things that so many people, it has such a bad marketing to it that people assume like they just so easily conjures you know and a snap image of someone sitting on a pillow cross-legged or mm. maybe they're into incense burning or something like that <laughs> and, and <laughs> most people have like an you know a gag reflex to that and th- it's not really about that like even if you just can take like a, f- a deep breath like before you go into a meeting like you say you're i don't know where you would work but say there's like a, me- a morning meeting you have every once a week and you know you're not going to enjoy it Maybe try taking a deep breath before you walk into that meeting yes. because it activates your parasympathetic nervous system. Before you go in, you're going to feel a lot more calm in that moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then you'll just, you know, just kind of let it roll off your shoulders because it's not worth losing that extra. <laughs> 100%. 100%. So I think if, you know, our society kind of practiced mindfulness as a whole a little bit more, I think yeah. we'd all be a little bit happier and less yeah. anxious and we would just function better. Absolutely. So from there, I guess... It might be worth, because you've talked about kind of personal, like growing with nutrition and mindfulness and stuff like that, because I feel like Hashimoto's is like a mindfulness practice in itself, just kind of being okay, like just not being upset at your own body, because it's like you're kind of almost a prisoner, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's, 
it's a fine line between, and I always tell people, um, not only just my patients, but me too, is you really kind of have to separate acceptance from change. And a lot of people have it crisscrossed where we try to accept the things that we actually can change. Mm -hmm. And then we try to change the things that, you know, we have to accept, right? So it's mm -hmm. uncrisscrossing your wire. So for me, it's, you know, what do I have to accept right now? Well, you have to accept that you have this diagnosis. You have to accept that, you know, your antibodies are elevated. And right now at this moment, you have to accept that you're feeling ridiculously lethargic and, you know, mm -hmm. you can't snap your fingers and get out of it. Yeah. What can you change? Okay, well, you know what? I can change my mindset, yep. right? I can change my support system around me. I can change my nutrition. And that's how you create those small changes. So, you know, and again, I, I think a lot of us have it crisscrossed, right? Yeah. And that leads to, again, so much frustration. But that's a hard thing to do because who wants to accept that, well, this is how I feel now. And I don't know, is it ever going to go away? Is it not? And I think what really helps me is, acceptance does not equal approval. You know, I, yeah. I accept what I'm going through because I have to, that's my reality, but in no way do I approve of what's happening right. to me. Right. <laughs> and that helps. Yes. Yeah. That's super interesting. It's, and it's such a common theme where people who have to go through like crucibles where it changes their entire outlook of like something that's in quotation marks taken away from them. And it, it's, putting in stark contrast what you can control in your life. And realistically, we can only control a few different things. Yeah. You know, it's like how we look at the situation, you know, how we respond to that situation, and then what can we do about it? And the only thing we can do is just kind of take it for the next moment. And right. getting caught up about like, I wish it was different doesn't help anything other than triggering anxiety and depression. Absolutely. And so if we can just say, okay, what, what can I do that is in my control is mm -hmm. really the, the only question you can ask and not getting caught up in the things that you can't. Yeah. And again, you know, going back to mindfulness, that's mindfulness yeah, right here, exactly. right now at this exact moment. You know, I can't go back a month from now. I can't mm -hmm. fast forward two months from now, right at this exact moment. How do I feel? And what are my areas of change? What can I control? Yeah, that's awesome. I like that a lot. And it's, it's one of those things that it, it sounds super fluffy to some degree, <laughs> but I really try not to make this stuff sound fluffy because it's... It may be fluffy, but it's real. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where, you know, it's hard to explain that to somebody, you know, through a microphone or having a yeah. conversation, but it's it's very real when you're going through it. All the fluffy stuff, it kind of clicks and it makes <laughs> sense. And it's like, God, I get it now. You know, I get yeah. it. I, I guess it's when, when, you, when all the chips are on the table and you don't have a choice, but to kind of like, this is what you have. Yeah. Or it's, or it's like on the other end of the spectrum, it's like when everything seems like it's okay and it's like, eh, I could choose to do that or not. You know, it's like I could choose to eat a Big Mac or I could choose to eat healthy mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when it's not life or death or, you know, yeah. some sort of medical condition that you actually can't eat that anymore, then right. it doesn't feel as like puts it in stark contrast to what you should right. really be valuing. Absolutely. You know, I think we also have to kind of, I would say stay in your situation, right? Where mm -hmm. this is the hand of cards I've been dealt and, you know, maybe, and that's my genetics perhaps, right? I can't control that piece, yeah. but I can certainly shuffle my hand of cards. I can shuffle <laughs> the deck, right? Yeah. You know, and, and with that, I can play my hand of cards as best as I possibly can. But, you know, I, I have to accept that this is what I have. You know, you can have a really crappy hand of cards, but still play, play it really well. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's It's not every day that people have a sense of clarity to be able to, not only one, take an experience such as yours and then also be able to extract something from it that is not only with particular to your situation, but just broadly applicable to just how do you live better? 
And I'm trying to, you know, I by no means do everything perfectly. And of course you know, I certainly <laughs> have those moments that, you know, like it really does get to me and, you know, mm-hmm. I, I cry and it's so hard, you know, that's there yeah. too. And, and that does need to be highlighted. You know, again, it sounds mm-hmm. really pretty when you talk about it, but in application, I mean, I have really hard moments too. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm like anybody else, but you give yourself space for that. You give yourself permission to kind of go through it yeah. and then you cap it and you say, all right, that's enough. I've been crying for 30 minutes. Like get up and go do something. Yeah. And that's what I do. I, I think that's it. I think you've done a decent job of like pushing yourself to to be as transparent about it on on your own social pages and stuff like that because I, I think it's something that people don't highlight because it's so easy to just be like I'm gonna put my life's highlight reel up here on yeah. on you know for all to see because you don't want to like because it's well one being vulnerable is not easy Mm-mm. and then as a guy <laughs> to say the word vulnerable is almost taboo it's kind of changing a little bit yeah. and I've tried to do my own work in this space to try to talk about like mental illness as in from the male perspective and things like that I've read books on there's a book called I don't want to talk about it by Terrence Real it was written in like the late 90s hmm. but Terrence Real is a clinical psychologist mostly in couples therapy but he okay. he focuses on male depression in the book and he basically lays out this idea of like there's overt depression is what we talk about is like the standard measure of you pull inwards and you don't want to talk to anybody mm-hmm. And then he talks about this other version that's called covert depression, where it's manifests itself in the exact opposite ways, yep. which is usually expressed in men as like alcoholism, workaholism. You become like destructive forces in sure. nature of those Compensatory around. behaviors, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, he basically lays out this entire thing and with his own story attached to it, because he was abused as a child from mm-hmm. his own father. And it's like this cycle of, of pain, basically that gets perpetuated within families yeah. that pass a, like almost like a gene. <laughs> Learn behavior. Yeah. yeah. And so it's just this thing where it's like, and then two, it goes like by my dad doing this, I choose, I don't want to do that. Right. There's that someone says, I don't ever want to be like my father, yeah. but then it comp- like overcompensates and then becomes a self- self-fulfilling prophecy. And so I try to share this book and I've talked about it a lot because I think it's like, even though I don't have any of those kind of things, I still think it's worth looking at because it's a social, like a sociology and socialization to understand how there's other triggers of these things that manifest themselves. And I'm just talking about my own struggles. Like it's like, I talk about this stuff as like high watermarks, Mm. like what may seem hard for you, right? Like you're dealing with Hashimoto's and someone on the outside looking in might be like, that doesn't sound all that difficult or whatever, right? whoever you are i'm not mm-hmm. i'm just painting a picture mm-hmm. here but to for someone else to compare themselves to you and say wow i don't have any reason to complain that's not disingenuous to yourself because everyone's threshold is different 100 <laughs> stay in your situation literally yeah. that is the theme of like every session i have is stay in your situation really? you don't belong in other people's situations you mm-hmm. belong in your own you know and i don't care if the the rug is making you super upset right that's very <laughs> real to you right now so stay in your situation yeah. let's work through that the second that you go into other people's situations i mean you're going to do yourself a huge disservice because first off you're going to compare up right like oh mm-hmm. this person has it so much worse than me right and so like why am i you know even complaining or you're going to compare down mm-hmm. you know and that's no better. So stay in your situation, play your hand of cards. This just triggered a thought for me. Do you, do you try to, I wouldn't say prescribe, but like limit social media use for certain people if, if 100%, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just curious because I, I, you know, here's like social media fast is kind of like a common thing or growing probably exponentially at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just curious if it's kind of starting to bubble into the clinical sphere to be like, hey, you should really like look at how much oh, you're using yes. social media. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, first and foremost, I think social media detoxes are fantastic. Um, <laughs> and again, I'm not perfect. You know, I could... Mm-hmm 
get better at that too. So just like anyone else, but I think you have to be very mindful too of, okay, do I find myself going on my Instagram page and okay, cool on my newsfeed. I have all these, you know, beautiful models. And then I look Mm -hmm. at these pages and I look at them and I'm like, oh my God, you know, I'm not six foot one, you know, I'm not that thin, whatever it may be. And you have to be mindful of, you know, is this triggering an emotion for me? And Mm -hmm. for many of us, let's be real, it, it would, right? And so how much time are you spending on that site and what are you really feeding your brain, yeah. right? And then you you expect to, to not struggle with low mood or depression or anxiety. What are you putting in your brain? Mm-hmm. I have to think of like anything we do is like we have this imi- limited attention of awareness, like absorbing content in whatever way. Yeah. And it's very similar to nutrition yeah. in, is my view is if you're absorbing low quality content all day, mm-hmm. you're going to have a low quality outlook on life. Yes. So you need to yes. like really be conscious of what it is that you're absorbing. Right. Like go download audiobooks or podcasts yeah, or something yeah. like read a book or read something online. That's not like just neg- yeah. so negatively charged or right. allows you to have those ruminatory thoughts. Basically mm-hmm. be like, and I don't want to slam, you know, Instagram or social media. I think there's actually a lot of good that can come mm-hmm. from that too. You know, and I know on my platform I have, again, I reach out to a lot of people. I talk about, you know, my struggles with, mm-hmm. you know, the, the autoimmune issues, but how I keep traveling and living my life. I have so many people that reach out to me. And so, you know, again, there's a lot of good that comes from it, but oh, yeah. I also make a very valiant effort to not follow pages that are not going to be conducive to mm-hmm. my personal growth in any way. Yeah. I, th- I think that's the most important part is just not like being an active consumer, like being not just following something because it's like, Oh yeah, I'm just going to click the follow button. Yeah. Like actually look at what you're following and right. be like, does this actually this serve a purpose? To my life? Yes. In a positive way. <laughs> yeah. Right? A helpful way. Mm-hmm. And, and also to be very cognizant of your, like we all have biases. So it, it's, it's worth understanding that too. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I really, I could go all day with social media and how this affects <laughs> our quality of health. <laughs> Cause I'd really talk about it all the time because it's just these emergent systems just, push all of our buttons right. and they have, you know, it's like, I talk about our phones as being like IV drips of dopamine mm-hmm. for the most part. <laughs> yes. Well, it triggers a response. The second that, you know, your phone vibrates or, you know, the light goes off that you have a text, you know, you mm-hmm. instantly go to it, right? Mm-hmm. That's dopamine being activated all the time, constant, constant, yeah. constant. So, and that's the addiction with cell phones. That's the addiction with the stupid little notification. I know. That pop up, right? I turned off all of those. I found this really nerdy article about like how to make your phone work for you. And it's basically going through your iPhone and turning off like 90% of notifications notifications like alphabetizing the structure so it's like the front page if you press the home button is only the things that you like the most useful things and then when you swipe right it's kind of like the extra stuff yes i love that yep i love that i always tell (laughs) you know like the patients i work with the kids i work with if they are literally on facebook or instagram or Mm -hmm. twitter or snapchat or whatever they even have anymore yeah right (laughs) you know i say you know make that a separate folder and literally Mm -hmm. put it somewhere else in your phone so that it's not you know right there in the front yeah don't make it one of the bottom four or something Mm -hmm. like that absolutely you know and and the research is there there's such high correlates between people who just kind of pause you know either take a break or limit the amount of social media usage i Mm -hmm. mean subjective well-being goes up yeah that's not even my opinion i mean look at the research so yeah i mean it's it's such a huge thing and i just think the more we talk about it the better like the more we hopefully start like a bubbling movement that's why i keep bringing it up do you do anything with like light exposure because of all the artificial light that we have or starting to look into it Light exposure in terms of... Like limiting blue light exposure. Oh, blue light exposure. Yeah, so that, I mean, I I can't say I talk about that specifically like in my my sessions. You know, Mm -hmm. I do my due diligence again of being really mindful of the blue light. Like I, you know, on my phone, I have it turned on to whatever Mm -hmm. the nighttime mode is or the the yellow light or whatever it is. the orange tint. Yeah, the orange tint. So I do that. I try really hard personally like at nighttime to, you know, 
not be on my phone, which I could get better at. <laughs> but I try to this not be on like my the, phone. What Claudia could give me better at. <laughs> <laughs> truly, truly. <laughs> this and this. <laughs> but yeah, no. And so, but yeah, I, I don't, I try not to watch, you know, TV right before bed. Yeah. I try to be mindful of, you know, that type of exposure because obviously there's data there too that yes. says, you know, you got to be careful. So, yep. It's definitely an uphill battle because I was for a long, long time, I was so again, learned behavior. My mom listens to the TV or she has the TV on as she sleeps and she has it on like really low volume. So it's not even watching TV, but that's the only way she can sleep. Mm. And so she's used to that. So when I was little, I got used to that same thing. And over time, like the last year, I kind of slowly weaned myself from doing that because I, mm -hmm. I bought, I don't know if you've seen them, but like a wake up light, it's called. Yeah. So it's basically yeah, yeah. Like, it mimics the sunrise, yep. right? And so, there's like chirping birds or yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. It's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Thing. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> it really does help reset your circadian rhythm because it feels like so what I do is I turn it on and you can set a timer so it like goes down, like mm -hmm. setting of the sun. Mm -hmm. And so I set it for like a 30 minute timer. And in that 30 minute timer in bed, I'm reading a book. And then like 15 minutes by 15 minutes or so, you can't really, it's too dark. So you can't read the page anymore. So then that's the time cool. to, to finally like go to bed and then just let it naturally fade away yeah, and like yeah. go to sleep. And then it, it does the reverse in the morning. So it slowly wakes up. And then by the time it's fully bright, then the birds chirp and then you're like off to the rest of your day. And, and it, that would be super helpful like this time of year. Oh too, yeah. Especially. It, it really does because it's just like, it just puts my brain and like my body in the sense of like, oh, it's time to go to sleep now. And it doesn't make me want to like watch TV. Like I, I unplug my TV now because it's like those little LEDs in rooms. Yes. And if you're in hotels, it's mm -hmm. awful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I turned off everything or turned away all LEDs that were like shining all over the room if I could. And there's research that shows that your body, even if it's a tiny little dim light, your body and your brain can pick up on that light. Yeah. It's crazy. There, there was a research paper I read where they shined a laser, like an infrared laser at the back of someone's knee in the dark, dark room. And the brain, like the eyes sensed still it sensed it somehow, wow. like just refraction it's of from the knee. It's ridiculous. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> what, so you, you'd mentioned, I, when I'd mentioned the light therapy, you said in what way? So is there a way you use light therapy for you and... So, I mean, in the clinical world, we have light therapy that helps with seasonal affective disorder. Oh, cool. And the research on that is kind of mixed. So, mm -hmm. you know, take what you will from it. Yeah. But the idea is, you know, you can buy a light that mimics the sun, mm -hmm. right? And you can sit in front of it for 20, 30 minutes and it helps your body really gain that vitamin D that's mm -hmm. missing out on in the wintertime. I've used it. I, you know... I don't think I used it long enough to have major effects, but you do yeah. feel kind of, I don't know, you do feel a little bit more awake, I okay. think, after, and maybe it's because there's a light literally shining yeah. in your face. But it, you is do it like feel a red or orange? Because I've seen like red light ones where they put it in like your ears or I think it's your nose, possibly. What? I, I forget. Really? I, for, I forget what it was. There's some sort of research that like in the ear canals or in the, the nose or I yeah, I don't know. It was bizarre. Something about like putting it, <laughs> like, like wearing like headphones. It's like little headphones, but it just puts like, like orange light in your ears it's supposed to like i don't know wow. i have to look into it again now that i, I said look it. Into that too yeah that i don't know about but i do know um no i mean it's just regular light and you okay. put it right in front of your face there's also goggles that you can put on mm -hmm. and again they mimic the sunlight and you just sit like that for you know 20 30 minutes and that's supposed to kind of help again reset circadian rhythms too yeah. but it's supposed to help your body you know create more vitamin d yep. uh, things like that so you know it's a it's a good additive but you know again 
do what works for you. Right. I mean, <laughs> it, it really is the huge thing is trying to just turn the knobs and figure out what works because there's so many variables at play. Un unfortunately, <laughs> the human system is not an easy thing to figure out. <laughs> mm -hmm. As much as we would hope to do a double blind placebo and everything, it's just not possible. <laughs> No, like no. I, and there's biases too. Of and, course, you know there's you know different placebo effects that come in. Mm -hmm. So you know, I say, does it really matter if you're getting a result? Go with it. Yeah, <laughs> I I just recently started taking fish oil again, and I found one okay. that it's like certified sport version of it, but it also has like a vitamin D three in in it. So it's mm -hmm. like a thousand milligrams of DHA and EPA, mm -hmm. and it has the vitamin three. I initially just bought it because of the I listened to a separate podcast, Peter Tia. He had a, he had a doc who's like knows all about omega threes and omega sixes. So he's like, that's his wheelhouse. He just knows all about that stuff. And he they're just talking about all the hormone regulations and how that it you know traverses the blood brain barrier for hormone regulation mm -hmm. and basically you're supposed move. to help uh, prevent concussions. To kind of bring it back to that, really fish oil DHA. Mm -hmm. I did not see. I didn't know that yep. either. Yep. I don't want to say prevent them, but make you less susceptible to having mm -hmm. like post-concussive symptoms and things like yeah, that. Yeah, so. regulation basically. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. See, again, well, all this stuff, I just keep thinking about it. I'm just like, man, I, I was just missing the mark. I guess the one thing I wasn't really taking, like I tried to just cover my bases and then I listened to the podcast and I was like, damn, there, I'm like, I'm not like, and then I started taking it and not only it was like, I've been taking about a week now or two weeks and it's like my energy levels, but just like totally stabilized just from this one simple additive yeah. thing. Yep. And, and I do like fasting 14 hours a day now. So okay. it's like, I, I, it's like, I don't really need to do it, but it's like, I just try to find out this like sweet spot of like, how long can I go without eating and stuff like that? And it's, it's been really helpful mm -hmm. just to kind of understand what my physical limit is. Like when do I need to keep calories in and stuff like that? Yeah. Well, again, there's a lot of research too that supports inter intermittent fasting. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think, you know, obviously you have to be mindful of any medical condition you're struggling right. with, but you know, and I tend to feel a little bit better too. You know, I, sort of employ that um, yeah. i'm not super diligent on it but you know i've noticed that i feel a little bit better too so mm -hmm. i just think it's it's worth mentioning because like for me the biggest thing was like i kind of get like hungry at like nine o'clock at night like close to bedtime yeah and then i would see it on my wearables that it's like hey your heart rate was elevated last night and it's like did you eat something late and i'm like yes i did <laughs> <laughs> you know and i'm like crap i need to like not be doing this to myself because i know it's going to affect my sleep and so then that goes me puts me down the rabbit hole of like mm -hmm. how do i like limit myself from that's snacking? interesting because all those you know body <laughs> biometrics that we have with mm -hmm. watches with you know the ring that you have or yeah. whatever it may be i think it's interesting because it does give you tremendous insight into mm -hmm. what's going on with your own body which can be really helpful like yeah. if you're struggling with something I think the other side of it is super interesting too. And that is, you know, I feel like some people would become so obsessed almost <laughs> with knowing that information that they would almost put added pressure on themselves, yes. right? Like I have to get a good night's sleep because last night my watch told me I didn't get good yep. sleep. And I only bring that up because I know I would be that person for yeah. sure. You know, if my watch is telling me, hey, you had really broken sleep and you got five hours, I'd be like, oh God, all right, tonight, here we go, seven hours, <laughs> right? And it would yeah. work paradoxically for me. Yeah, it, it, I do think it, there is this weird paradigm of like some people it doesn't matter. Like I think me as like a, engineer you know i love you like the numbers more data and like <laughs> trying to like peer inside the crystal ball so to speak mm -hmm. i i think i can do that and i and i do uh, understand that not everybody's going to be able to wear these devices i do think they have value for and anybody everybody if they want to but what i do think is is the reason i wear both of them and i've and i really go eat deep on this stuff is that if i'm wearing it for long enough or i can start teasing out things that seem to work for me and kind of get general frameworks of mm -hmm. just do this 
kind of collection yeah, of things. And that's a completely appropriate way to do it, for sure, 100%. <laughs> and you, you'll have a better, you know, quality sleep or you'll have mm -hmm. a whatever, you know, whatever it is that you're looking for. And so I, so someone doesn't have to do the legwork and try to figure it out and add that extra stress element to their life yeah. because I think there will be people that take it too far. I, I do I do hope too that one day like doctors could prescribe these things for like like I'm gonna prescribe sleep tracking instead of prescribing like a sleep pill first. Like oh, let's like I, I know. wish in a perfect world. I know we've <laughs> got a battle big farm on that one. <laughs> you know, prescribe sleep tracking for three months and then like, oh hey, look, your like REM and deep sleep are completely fragmented. What are you doing at night? Like, mm -hmm. are you eating like a big glucose meal? Like mm -hmm. or are you not having enough glucose? Because I've heard like people who like crash their glucose midnight like at the middle of the day they wind up their spikes too low and mm -hmm. it makes it unrestful mm -hmm. and so they're like insulin kicks in and they yeah. get like yeah so it's like counterintuitive to some degree or another and then they have to like do some diagnostics it would be really interesting to incorporate into like the, the therapy world yes. you know i have so many patients that struggle with sleep i mean that's yes i mean insomnia is huge and so mm -hmm. that would be a really cool additive yeah like I, for me the big thing like i so i just finished school in may and then so as i was training over the summer like because all that school stuff just went nope i'm done like I didn't have to think about it anymore. I didn't have to worry about next semester, right? So there's this huge stressor element that's invisible for the most part. It's just a an assumed constant, right? Three months later, I had started working out like heavily again. And I was like running crazy, like five miles a day or something insane because my recovery was off the charts. And I was just like, cool, this is awesome. I'm just going to keep doing it. And then I like was able to track my data back like three to six months. And all of a sudden I could almost look to the day that I finished school, my trends for wow. HRV and resting heart rate yeah. went in positive dimensions. And it was just like, oh my God, here's this thing that like I was doing fine in school. Like it wasn't a big deal. Like mm -hmm. I was just like, well, this is what I put signed up for. I'm going to just, you know, make it work. But it's kind of cool to see just how much of an effect it did have on you. Yeah, right? it's crazy. I was like, what? I'm like, this is That's, insanity. Yeah, you know, and I think that kind of begs the conversation of we almost get used to stress. We, mm -hmm. get, we get used to that feeling. We almost don't know how well we can really function and optimize our days when we <laughs> take care of that piece. <laughs> you know, and that's not me saying don't go to school, obviously do it, but, you know, figure out a way to manage stress levels. Right. It's just an understanding, like, you know, what is your stress? stress threshold wow i was combined those two words that's a that's interesting tongue yeah, twister there <laughs> but yeah that, that was like one of the big things that i was able to find out because it's just like hrv you don't like it stands for heart rate variability for those who don't know mm -hmm. but that's just like a window into your parasympathetic parasympathetic nervous systems like activation level the lower that number is whatever it is for you is mm -hmm. more activated and stressed out you are yeah it's a common intervention we use yeah it's huge i just think it's such the that is the whole reason I bought these things because it like lets you measure these things. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like, how do I, how do I like improve this number or like just understand what's going on day to day. And then it just put me down the rabbit hole of like yoga and uh, sensory deprivation and stuff like that, just mm. to kind of chill myself out more, <laughs> which is just crazy to yeah. even go down that rabbit hole and to see how it affects like, cause you basically have like a one day lag, you do anything. And then uh -huh. the next day you uh -huh. get to see what the numbers look like and be like, okay, cool. There's like, you know, experiments in real time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been a lot of fun to kind of do that stuff. Yeah. Well, then you would really like neurofeedback. <laughs> you would really like that. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm not surprised, <laughs> honestly, because it's definitely one of those things. I'm just like, okay, how does the brain, you know, do what it does? Like flow states and un like mm -hmm. understanding how to be like present. Basically, is like how do you tap into the present moment and just be there? Yeah, yeah, 
you know, and I, I know you want to talk about neurofeedback and mm-hmm. I do too, and maybe I can give like a really quick summary on it and we'll kind of go into it more yeah. later. But yeah, we'll put a pin in it and then we'll like really expand on it and get in the weeds to kind of yeah. give a real, con- real, it's due diligence. Yes, absolutely. But in essence, you know, neurofeedback is really kind of figuring out what brain waves you have mm-hmm. in what part of your brain. And if you have the most appropriate, most functional brain waves in each part of the brain, mm-hmm. that's kind of what you want. And when you have... I don't want to say the wrong brain wave, but the the least conducive type of brain wave yeah. in a certain part of the brain that's going to manifest as anxiety, as depression, as impulsivity, ADHD, whatever oh, you wow. name it. And so the goal of neurofeedback is to train your brain, the appropriate part of your brain that's malfunctioning, if you will, mm-hmm. um, to have the appropriate brain wave so that you get symptom reduction. It's very cool stuff. Wow. So is, is neurofeedback a relatively new? domain it's newer well in the grand scheme of psychology yeah Yeah. (laughs) i think um they first started doing like very basic neurofeedback in the 80s which again in the Mm -hmm. grand scheme is like still super new yeah Um, and over the last i want to say 10 15 years it's really really growing we started with like super basic neurofeedback interventions and now we have like 19 lead eegs qeegs that's like super duper impressive so (laughs) i can't wait to talk about it and then we will you know later yeah that's super awesome stuff but yeah. look it up if you don't know it is totally worth it. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely have a link in there with some like Wikipedia articles and stuff I can find for, for people who really want to get into the weeds of it now. But we'll definitely have like a more concise version to kind of paint the broader brush of what this is later on. That's yeah. really cool. Because I, I think that's like super important. It reminds me if I were to draw an analogy, it's like a paint mixture, but in your brain. Like if you had, you know, you have a certain color of that you're trying to go for, but you have, you have to adjust the mm-hmm. the mixture and then just the different brain waves that you're yep. going on. Yep. You know, and our, our brains learn. And for whatever reason, you know, your brain decides that we're going to put beta in your frontal cortex, which mm-hmm. is probably not the most efficient. You're going to have a lot of anxiety. And yeah. so the goal is cool. If I got beta, let me downtrain to alpha. And mm-hmm. we have ways to do that now, which is awesome. That's neat. I've, I kind of dabbled in like binaural beats, if you've heard of yeah, them and yeah, things like that, yeah. using to relax or focus here and there. It, mm-hmm. Music is a weird thing because it does have some unique properties to kind of snap you into certain states like that. So mm-hmm. That's, that's what I thought about when yeah, you Yeah, and that it. actually links to neurofeedback because binaural beats, the goal is, um, depending on, you know, what tone mm-hmm. um, or hertz or frequency you're listening to, that will elicit theta waves or delta yeah. waves, which are very slow, deep yep. waves in the brain, which you want that if you want to fall asleep. Yep. So <laughs> that's, you know, like a skeleton model of neurofeedback. Yeah, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that paints the picture there for people to kind of you know, have enough to go off of for now, you know, whet their appetite, I guess. <laughs> Any other cool things you've been working with or exploring within the psychology space? Yeah, this, I mean, this was the year of neurofeedback for mm-hmm. sure. I, I've i worked a lot this year, and I know you mentioned it earlier, this idea of positivity. Yes. And how positivity is obviously a, a great thing. No mm-hmm. one's going to bash that, but there is such a thing as too much. Yes. And so, you know, the trend that I've noticed a lot in the last like year or two, especially with social media, if we bring it back to that is, you know, everyone's trying to be happy and positive all the time. You know, all these positive messages, you know, positive quotes, you know, this is my travel story and then I'm doing this, which is great stuff the problem with it is there is such a thing as too much Mm -hmm. and so you know it makes people feel like they can never have that right it's this unrealistic very idealistic level of positivity and Mm -hmm. happiness and so you know the 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 take-home message here is there there is such a thing as too much and i think we have to be very mindful of have i crossed over into too much positivity Mm -hmm. which is now actually inversely going to cause low mood depression anxiety that kind of a thing so i think the goal is you know we want to feed into positivity 
somebody for sure, but we want to leave room for unpleasant emotions too. Yeah. You know, that's part of the human experience. We have anxiety, we have frustration, we have sadness, right? We can't pretend like that stuff doesn't exist. We can't yes. dismiss it. We can't turn our head to it because it's there. And for people that do that, that'll rebound, you know, and that'll mm -hmm. get you twice as bad later. Right. So we have to kind of create room for both, you know, feel the unpleasant stuff, feed into the positive stuff. Yeah. Like come to terms with it. Don't turn a blind eye. I, I really do mm -hmm. think that's important to say because it's so easy to look on social media and have all these fluffy, like there's so many, it seems crazy in the last like six months, all these different quote places that just have all these like, oh, it's so easy to just copy and paste the quote uh, and put a pretty background on it. Yeah, a part a part of that drives me crazy. <laughs> and I mean, I mean, again, you know, it's it's great. You know, positive things, yay, wonderful, beautiful. You know, the other side of it too. Let's let's be real, mm -hmm. right? And that's really what I try and do with my page. You know, for kind of linking, you know, our entire conversation back. Yeah. You know, I I travel, I travel, I show all my travel stuff. I have a lot of positive things, but I'm also going to talk about the struggles because this is real life. I mean, you're, you're not going to go through life without any bruises, right? Yeah. <laughs> or scrapes and bruises at that. Like you got to, you know, be able to take the mm -hmm. the hits and roads and bumps of life. Like yeah. that, that's kind of where I take optimism. It's more of like, it's understanding that you're going to hit speed bumps along the way. Right. And to know that right now, however bad it feels, it's going to turn at some point. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean you know when it's going to turn, but it's right. just going to get better to some degree. And that's yep. as far as you can take it. You know, it's very stoic of me to say it that way because it's kind of where I kind of go with it. <laughs> but it's true, you know, nothing ever, nothing ever lasts. Mm -hmm. The good doesn't last indefinitely. The bad doesn't last indefinitely. Yeah. Things are constantly changing. So, and I think that's, you know, you could look at that with a lot of fear and anxiety, like, oh my God, things are constantly changing or it's pretty exciting. You know, yeah. the good moments stay there, be in the good moment, you know, soak it up, be mindful, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the bad stuff, you know, this will pass too. And again, not in a cheesy quotey kind of way, but mm -hmm. in a very honest, realistic, genuine kind of way. Yeah, I think that's totally worth saying because it's so easy just to get kind of look at something and be like, oh, why don't I feel like, you know, rose colored grasses skipping through the f bed of roses or yeah, whatever all the time. Yeah. And that's just not the reality of life. Mm -mm. Like, even though you get fired up about something or you could really love your job, Monday morning, still Monday morning sometimes, <laughs> right? Or it was like right. 2 p.m. is still 2 p.m. And like, right. I wish I could leave. Yeah, like you know, and I think sometimes people like almost have a fear of talking about it because mm -hmm. I feel all this pressure to just have to be happy and bubbly all the time, you right. know, and yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, like even too, don't do that. <laughs> I think it's even funnier too. Is like people are like, how do you like, like go to the gym all the time? I'm like, do you think I like want to like I'm 100 fired up about going to the gym sometimes? I'm like, no, like 60% mm -hmm. of the time I'm like looking at the clock. I'm like, I should have really been at the gym by now, you know, and then I still look at the clock. I'm like, I'm still mm -hmm. sitting in this chair and haven't moved. <laughs> And then you finally make yourself go and you're like, thank God I finally went because now that I'm here, I'm kind of, I feel better like that I'm moving. Yeah. Even though I didn't yeah. feel like not, go, like I felt like not going, you, you know, it's like putting those, those systems in place. At least this is for me, like the psychological frameworking of it. It's like when it's easy to be motivated, like that's what all those quotes are about is like just getting people fired up and motivated about something like right now. But the idea for me is like, okay, you'll only be motivated for, I don't know, a month maybe if that. And then you really got to do the due diligence to put things in place that allow you to 
get the cognitive resistance out of the way to do the things that are going to make you feel better, even though in the it's short term. Self-discipline, yeah, right? Realistically. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, the eating healthy, the going to the gym, like even if it's, if you don't have to be training for a marathon, like just go for 15 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, like jump a, <laughs> like jump a jump rope or something. Just do something easy or right. do a 15 minute workout right when you first wake up, like right. do some like 10 pushups, 10 sit-ups or yeah. whatever. Like you don't need to get fancy with it. You don't need to be yeah. like lifting triple digit weights or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. I just think it's so easy for people to get like, oh, I, they put a label on things. Then they say, oh, I can't do that or I'm not that. Mm-hmm. It's not about that. It's just like stay in your lane, stay in your situation. Yeah, exactly. Boom. Again, <laughs> you're, you're real good at coming back to your <laughs> previous things. You've mentioned traveled a whole bunch so far. So if you want to give some like highlights of the travel, that'd be awesome. Yeah. So, well, this year, um, given obviously the health stuff that creeped up, mm. I did a little bit less of that. But I did go to Costa Rica this year Ooh. for the second time. That was awesome. I went for a surf trip for my birthday, which was incredible. <laughs> and that was like right in the middle of the health stuff. So I was actually doing good at that point. Mm-hmm. And then I had a couple smaller trips just around the States. But most recently, I went to to Iceland, which was the coolest, <laughs> coolest experience ever. It is amazing it over there. It looks magical. Like, it doesn't even look real. Oh, it is so <laughs> magical. I mean, it's one of those places that you see it in a photo, right? Yes. You're like, wow, this is really pretty. Oh my God, go there. Because it is 10 times more beautiful. You know, a mm-hmm. photo will never capture it. But um, that was interesting there because we, you know, I wasn't feeling super good. And mm-hmm. so I had to kind of figure out a way to, you know, I'm here. We have a limited amount of time. I want to see everything. I want to hike. I want to do all the cool things and travel and see the waterfalls, yada, yada, yada. But how do I manage that and not feel super well at the same time? So I really kind of figured out, you know, how do you work with your body mm-hmm. in that type of a situation? And for me, it was a lot of rest. You know, we'd be driving and I'm like, you know, laying there yeah. napping. Just trying to um, recover as much as you can between yeah. things. Yeah. But, you know, travel is still something very near and dear to me. And I will promote that literally forever and ever and ever, mm-hmm. you know, for, for those of us that can, you know, I know sometimes we just don't have the means to, but yeah. if you do, I mean, go travel, it gives you beautiful perspective in this world. You know, it humbles you, you figure yourself out. Right. And it's mm-hmm. just, it's such a unique and beautiful experience. This world is so big, you know, and we live in this little tiny bubble. So get out there, go see mm-hmm. what's out there. You'll learn about yourself. You'll learn about this world, you know, and you'll come home with just knowledge, experiences and perspective. Yeah. I, it's something I think about a lot lately. It's like podcasts were the doorway into like world, like the world citizen, I guess, in some ways, like you get to hear perspectives from all over the world or people who do yeah. things and you kind of like, wow, that's really cool. Like I was listening to podcasts and the guy had his, he grew up and his dad was a international banker. So basically it was like every couple of years or so he was just living in a new city wow. as he grew up, you know, going to elementary schools like all over the world. And he That's knows. That's going to be tough too though. Right. It's a weird, <laughs> it's a weird thing. But then also you feel like a, a nomad because then you mm. come home to the States where you're technically, you know, yeah. are supposed to be a citizen of, but you're, yeah. you're not. And mm. you, you know, you're really a world citizen. And I'm just like, whoa, you know, cause you come here in the mid- Midwest. It's like, we have these super deep roots as like a family and, like my family, like my parents, they don't travel like at all. And mm-hmm. they, they basically, their family came over here. Like we, my parents joke, my mom's side of the family is Polish. And we did the ancestry. And my dad jokes around. It's like, your family coming over here was the farthest they moved away in 200 years. <laughs> As a joke. But it's so true. My parents or my mom's side of her family came over here and they lived in like southwestern Poland 
like for the last forever basically Aww. and so it's just like this thing that's where my family's from oh really yeah that's hilarious <laughs> and so it's just like this crazy thing and i, I just kind of as now that i've gotten into this stuff it's just like being able to see the world and like experience the places and things and be like but i think to your point i mean you bring up a really interesting perspective and that is you know sometimes we just don't have the means to get up and go i mean mm -hmm. obviously this stuff takes money it takes time it takes planning it takes yeah. everything and so if we can't physically get up and leave and go somewhere yeah. there's other ways to do that whether that's through podcasts yeah. or talking to different <laughs> people or documentaries or reading or, yes. or whatever i think reading be. is a huge thing yeah. for that because it lets you transport yourself into someone else's story like it, one of the cool things and this is totally nerdy but when you see an I in, in like when you read I in a book, you are inadvertently becoming the person. The, uh -huh. So yeah. you're living yeah. through their experiences without really meaning it because yeah. you know you're not, but you are to some degree or another. And so it's this fun little thing you can do to kind of trick people into like visualization and things like that when yes. you use the personal pronouns and things mm -hmm. like that. It's really fascinating. And I think it's one of those things also for those of you out there is like biographies, like autobiographies. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've heard of Trevor Noah, Born a Crime. He was a South African. He's a South African comedian, but he he came to the states now and he does like a like like a political talk show now. I forget okay. which one, but he has a biography, an autobiography he did called "Born a Crime" and it's stories from a South African childhood. And the mm -hmm. audiobook he narrates the whole thing, and then he does the accents of his mother and South African accents and wow. people in the story. So it really adds all these layers and textures to the story mm -hmm. of like, oh, here's this kid who grew up in South Africa with the apartheid as it ended. And then dealt with all the cultural stigma as it kind of shifted and stuff. Mm -hmm. But then because he was half white still, because he had a Dutch African mm. as his father mm -hmm. and his father was from Europe still. So he, like and his father was like super progressive, but even still, like he couldn't be seen with his own dad because of the stigmas mm. at the time. Yeah. And so like it. It was just like, the, it's just a, such a crazy story to... Right, and reading kind of gives you that perspective yeah. on, you know, maybe I won't have the opportunity to meet this person. Maybe <laughs> I won't have the opportunity to go there and kind of go through all this stuff. Yeah. But through this book, through this autobiography, I can I can get that feel. You just get a lens into, into someone else's yeah. like world and how they grew up and experienced the world. And it's like, oh my God. Like my favorite thing to talk about that stuff is cultural chameleon. Because he is a South African mixed He's able to blend himself, you know, and not be a part of one, just one culture, yeah, but mm -hmm, all cultures mm -hmm. within something crazy like South Africa, because South Africa is such an interesting place. Yeah. But like, I don't know, you can you can extrapolate that to something like here where, you know, you have so many different cultures in the United States right. and mm -hmm. how those different cultures mix and blend and how you have to talk about different people's needs and cultural upbringings and stuff like that i don't know it just it just helps you bring compassion and and for see sure. the world in a different for sure. way <laughs> for sure. it's perspective taking right mm -hmm. yeah so for the travel part of it like what is it like logistically working out for you like do you try to plan like super far in advance or do you like, i'm just curious like cause there's so many different ways like some people are like i just take red eyes and like i've heard people do that you know where they <laughs> Oh boy. Um, <laughs> I know someone listening right now is going to laugh. So anyway, sorry. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'll plan a trip like a couple, I don't know, like a couple months out, like Iceland. Mm -hmm. um, that was a birthday trip. So I planned that, I think in October. Yeah. Well, I booked the flight in October and then we kind of figured out accommodations maybe a couple weeks before. I mean, I've had other trips that literally I, they're booked. We don't know where we're staying. We're just going to go there and then we're going to figure out an Airbnb or yeah. we're going to figure out a hotel. So I've had that, you know, and then I've had very structured, very planned out trips. Mm -hmm. I impulsively booked a trip to Colorado in February, like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been literally all, all over the page with it. I mean, obviously some of the bigger stuff, I would say, 
may, maybe plan it or at right. least have like some type of agenda or itinerary. But you know what? I don't know. Sometimes it's kind of fun to just show up and, and, yeah. and do whatever. So I think travel is super personal and you mm-hmm. just kind of have to figure out, you know, what you want from the experience. Yeah. I just, the reason I brought it up is because I think for most people, like myself included, the hardest part is just pulling the trigger because it's always like, oh, after this next thing or when I have this amount of money. There's always that thing. There's always that thing. You're always going to be busy, right? There's always going to be something, always money for the majority of us. That's always going to be, you Mm -hmm. know, a a very valiant and and realistic excuse that we can use. But money, you know, that's that's always a thing. There's ways to travel that you don't have to spend, you know, ridiculous amounts Mm -hmm. of money. I've had vacations that have been really lavish and beautiful and nice. I've had other ones that I'm literally staying, you know, bare minimum and, and they're great, right? So it just, it depends, but, you know, and there's ways to book flights that are cheaper too. You know, yeah. there's, you, you know, you book on Tuesdays and then you use, your yeah. rules. So, you know, there's, there's tips and tricks like that, but, yeah. you know, I say, I say, do it, you know, don't be reckless with it. Don't be impulsive with it. Cool. But if that's something that, you know, it's like, I, I really want this, mm-hmm. go do it. The money will always come back to you in some way. Right? Yeah. If you work hard, the money will always come back to you. There's always going to be that next thing, but your time will not come back to you. Right. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead and elaborate on that as much as you want. This, this, the, you know, the currency of time. <laughs> it's true. Right. Your time won't come back to you. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, again, that's scary or that's, you know, kind of like giving us a sense of urgency of, listen, mm-hmm. I, I'm this old right now and I wanted to see some things. So I'm not going to be this old next year. So let me, let me do something with the time I have. Yeah. I think that's really a paradigm shift from like our parents age and stuff like that, where it's like, oh yeah, you'll work 30 years and then you'll retire. And then you have the time to go travel and do things. But I think nowadays it's really more of like, how do you, you know, do as much as you can while you still can. And as across the board, like, because you just know that you're going to still be like, there's always going to be work to do. Well, and you have to know your values, I think, yeah. right? You know, do you value stability? Do you value mm-hmm. finance? Do you value money? Okay, cool. Well, then maybe you do need to work right now. Yeah. And that's okay. Do you value experience? Do you value perspective taking? You know, what are your values? And you need to live as best as you can in accordance to your values. Mm-hmm. You know, one of my values in life for sure is adventure you know adventure and 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 gaining knowledge and not through a book but through life experiences yeah. and so that's something that you know god willing and my body willing and my health willing i'm going to keep doing it and through your own perseverance yes yes <laughs> don't, don't count that one out <laughs> yes for sure for it's, sure it's really cool i just i just love being able to talk about travel because i think it's some it's one of those things like again going to the optimism stuff it's like such an idealized thing but it's also one of those things that everyone gets a little cold feet about and a little scared and apprehensive because they say, I wish I could go to that. Or it's like on my bucket list, stuff like that. But it's like, there's a point where you have to pull it off the bucket list and actually put it on the calendar. Otherwise you'll never do it. Right. Very few people, you know, when they hit that bucket list item, go back and say, you know what? I wish I didn't do this. Yeah. Right. Like very, very few, if ever. Right. You you don't do that. You say, God, I wish I would have done it sooner. Yeah. Absolutely. It's one of those things like it was like yoga this year for me. It was like I never thought I'd be one in yoga for one thing, you know, and then all of a sudden I started doing it. I'm like, here it is like this thing that's like at once, you know, movement and getting the body and being able to do all the things, especially with running so much in the summer. I noticed how like tight my hips and like quads were and like whatnot Mm -hmm. from doing all that stuff. And just like this is insane. And then I'm like in yoga. and I'm like, oh, here's like how to do it. And, you know it just adds so much more to it. And then it winds up becoming like a meditation because of the classes I'm taking. So yeah. then it yeah. allows you to chill out <laughs> and you just Be find open to experience. You know, oh, I yeah. think that's what it is, is, you know, we, 
we tend to have our own biases or Uh we like to pretend like we know that something's not going to work or we know we're not going to like it, but Uh be open to everything. You can't say you don't like something if you've never done it ever. Yeah. How would you like, how would you like provide like a guide to someone who's like, I want to get into something, but I don't know how to like, if they're trying to do something new or break into something. Like, is there like a tip you would give someone? Like, I think research is always good, yeah. right? If I don't know about something, well, let me let me read up on it, uh-huh. right? Let me follow pages that do that thing. Let me uh-huh. get some knowledge, right? And you know, whatever it is, if it's a different sport, I don't know, right? Let me kind of figure out people or influencers that are in that sport. Let yeah. me read up on the craft of the sport, and then let me kind of figure out an area by me that's offering this thing. Mm-hmm. But do it by all means, go do it. And then if you hate it, fine, don't ever go back. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. But do it. <laughs> just try first, and then go. I mean, that's how I got into working out myself. It just mm-hmm. I became an information sponge. <laughs> that's what I call it. <laughs> just absorb yeah. as much information I could on it, and then I just started applying as what as much as of it I could mm-hmm. when I would go to the gym. Like even though I wasn't getting personal training or anything yeah. like that, I just try to to do it, and all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> oh hey, look at how it like opens doors for you. Like mm-hmm. here was this thing that you had a fixed mindset about and said, oh I can't be that, and then it's like all of a sudden you you like threw away a key for something that you didn't even like peek through the doorway <laughs> first. Seriously, yeah. <laughs> we are capable of so much more than we give ourselves credit for. You mm-hmm. know, the human mind and the human body is capable of literally tremendous, tremendous things, you know? Yeah. And so, yeah, try it all, you know? And if you hate it, don't ever go back. But even mm-hmm. even in that type of a situation, you can learn so much about yourself. You know, mm-hmm. why did I not like this? What is it about it? Well, that's growth too. Yeah, I think, that, yeah. <laughs> Just being to have a little bit of like introspection and reflection on things of like, okay, now that I know I didn't like that, like, can you say why you didn't like it? Yeah. <laughs> at the very least mm-hmm. and then you could say like well if i don't if i didn't like it this way then i can tell someone else who's like well you might like it because i didn't like it because of this reason mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. i think that's more fun to do too as well, one of the fun things i do, do for christmas right now is like i buy books for people instead of buying like real like things okay so i buy everybody a book that <clears throat> like is for my closest friends and i try to find something that pertains to their specific interests mm-hmm. and, and so it's like okay how do i facilitate growth for those around me and like you know scratch their own i itch. love that <laughs> i love that because it's yep. an investment into them because they have to put some time into the book and even if they don't finish the book or even pick up the book it's still something that they may get value of totally. out of mm-hmm. at the very least i love that and i love giving people um like experience gifts right mm. i'm not going to give you yeah. some type of a tangential gift or or a thing i'm going to give you an experience yeah. right and that way you've got no excuse you didn't pay for for it you don't go do it like now you just, you just got to show up yeah, yeah. <laughs> i like that idea too yeah <laughs> just showing up that's one of the cool things about going to yoga class for me it's like it takes away the thinking of like how do i like what do i want to work out today it's like nope you're just showing up for the class to think that what do you have to do is just already taken care of for you mm-hmm. <laughs> and that makes it a lot more fun to kind of just check out and like be in the moment more <laughs> for sure for sure cool so any other because we're already over an hour i cannot believe it <laughs> <laughs> Any other things about 2019 or just other things you have on your mind that you want to just share with us? I think 2019, you know, to kind of summarize everything we've talked about, Mm -hmm. you know, 2019 for me is more of just the the power of the human mind. And Mm -hmm. that is, you know, the human mind, what it is capable of. There's no machine that even comes remotely close to what the human brain and the human mind is capable of. And, you know, if you train it right, you are capable of just some amazing, extraordinary things. But if you let it take over you and you feed into, you know, some maladaptive stuff, it's going to take you, you know, and and that's actually a really cool thing because it's trainable. It's, you know, it's flexible. So, you know, I encourage everyone, train your brain, 
train it, you know, put yourself out there. But, you know, what you have literally underneath your skull is the most powerful thing that exists. So do something with it. Awesome. That's really cool. And then for 2020, what are you excited about? Or like, what are you excited to bring into 2020? Mm. You know, I think again, more personal growth. And I think for me, that's going to be with my career. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try and make some growth steps in my career and advance myself a little bit more just with my interventions that I'm using and really try to incorporate neurofeedback. I think that's really big for me, you know, and I think, I think to taking on experiences that, you know, how do I say this? I don't know. Maybe I would initially need jerk reaction, you know, kind of have those biases of, you know, this isn't going to work or mm -hmm. networking with this person isn't going to really do it for me. But yeah. I think, you know, even and even further, just opening up my frame of lens too, and kind of taking on, you know, whatever opportunities life gives me, you know, and I think too, if I can give back and, you know, if someone can listen to this podcast or if someone is influenced by my Hashimoto's mm -hmm. struggles, you know, in, in a positive way and views me as a model, I mean, that that's the ultimate cherry on top is this is my story and I shared it mm -hmm. and, you know, hopefully someone got something positive out of it or was motivated or inspired. And, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, even if it's just one person, that's enough. It makes it all worth it. Yep. You know, I mean, there's not many places or things where one, we can talk long form about, you know, what it is that we do and be able to share it unapologetically because there's so many people that just, you know, like don't want to share because it's like, I'll be judged or whatever it is. And I just think when we share what we've gone through, like it's through those, the precarious, precarious moments in life that, you know, things are not as nice as we would hope they would be. Is where we learn the most right and when we can go back say and like hey this is how i got through those experiences and like maybe someone else can learn from it mm -hmm. you know if you parse mm -hmm. it down and say here's the thematic thing it applies a lot more broadly than we ever yeah. would have thought yeah. you know right. and <laughs> it's awesome i really appreciate you taking the time to yes. to talk through all the things that you're doing and just you know, helping people at yeah, the very least. It's yeah. really cool. <laughs> yeah, helping people in a different kind of way this year, not just mm -hmm. through my work, but through my personal stuff, which yeah. <laughs> like you said, is it's scary. It's vulnerable, but you put yourself out there. And I think the right people will come into your life and mm -hmm. they'll support you and the wrong people will weed themselves out. And that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's never more true to have, to know what people stand for in your life, to be able to know which ones you can lean on. And, you know, relationships are one of those things that a lot of us are cynical about in this day and age, but also I think it's one of the things that we need to start fostering a lot more <laughs> and, yeah. and creating those communities and networks yep. in a different way. Absolutely. <laughs> and that'll be a different conversation for another time. We'll definitely be talking more. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you for having me again. Then, I want to take a quick second and talk about how you can support our show. I believe this is the most honest way that I can connect with you, the listener, and put it in front of everyone. You can support our show for as little as 99 cents a month. We release four podcasts a month, all at an average length of about an hour. That means you are supporting us at just 25 cents an hour. That's, a, that's cheaper than the dollar menu. I think it's safe to say that we provide more value than that. And if you learn anything from our content, please consider becoming a supporter today with the link in the description of any episode or on the website at feedingcuriosity.net. And with that, thanks for listening and please enjoy the show. You just listened to an episode of Feeding Curiosity. Thank you all for listening and tuning in. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a like, subscribe, 
go check out the website over at feedingcuriosity.net and all the other things that we're doing there. And once again, thank you all for tuning in and we will see you in the next episode.